I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Podcarts Life is Like a Box of Records podcast. My name is Helena Rafai. Occasionally, we bring in special guests to talk about songs that have soundtracked their lives so far. For rights reasons, music may be shorter than the original song. This week's guest is Layla Josephine, an award-winning poet, a theatre maker from Glasgow. Layla is also recognised in performing and education. Her work has sometimes challenged those that experience it, but in the best ways possible. Hello, Layla. Hi. Introduce yourself for our listeners, please. Hi, my name is Layla Josephine and I am a poet and theatre maker. So we have uh, known each other for a few years now. Yep. I met you via TYCI. Yep. And which was a a female collective. But um, you're regularly kind of doing different um, things on the creative circuit. Um, So you've picked six songs yeah. this might expand uh never say never um, oh i hope so <laughs> <laughs> it was too hard just to pick six yeah uh, it's it's often a, a really tough thing that's everyone cannot cope with it yeah. um so yeah you they're songs that have soundtracked your life so far and we're going to talk about them and what is going on with you yeah so i kind of want to kick into the first song yeah let's do it um you're desperate to know why I've picked I, I am. Big Shania. <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, I feel like a woman. So explain to me. So this isn't even my favourite Shania song. Uh, I don't even like this song that much, but um, it was really important for me to include it because I used to like love, I've always loved performing. And I think like first and foremost, whatever I do, I'm a performer. Um, and... One time I did an, an excellent Shania Twain impression because I was at, I just moved school from, I used to go to a Steiner school and I just moved to this Catholic school in Knightswood and it was a very different vibe and there was like seven other girls in my class who were all going to do Stars in the Rise but they were already S Club 7 so obviously they didn't have any room for me. So I was like, I'm just going to do it by myself anyway. Um, and I was like practicing for ages in my room um, and, you know, practicing the Shania uh, routine. And I had a, top, a leopard skin top hat, like le- leopard skin gloves, like the whole ordeal. And I can't really remember it, but my mum says that it was like shocking. Like the whole thing was just like shocking. She was like, the only emotion I felt when I was watching you on stage was like, sheer shock and I was like trying to about it and you know I was like but was it good and then she was like yeah it was brilliant like I'd never seen anything like it it was like you had a chair and you were like twirling the chair around and then you threw it into the audience like on the key change and apparently it was like my dad my mum 
and uh, my babysitter and their whole face like when they were watching was just like sheer amazement at this like where it come from because apparently it shown no interest in performing up until that point no inhibitions make no conditions get a little out of line I ain't gonna act a little correct I only wanna have a good time the best thing And I was like, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Shania Twain. <laughs> and obviously at that age as well, like, it's kind of weird that you even know who Shania Twain is. Um, but, like, my mum used to listen to, like, quite a lot of country and um, traditional music. So that kind of it kind of came from that. And, um, but anyway, I didn't place that year. I was uh, didn't come in anywhere at school. Um, I, there was, like, two Avril Lavines that came first and second um but it was apparently it was a fix because there was like a sister I'm not better or anything but, but then the following year I came back and did a uh, Roxy Hart from Chicago and all, everyone wanted to be in my in my act but I said no I don't I didn't want anyone else and it so and, and then I won it and it was great so it sounds a bit like a uh, little miss sunshine it, it, I was gonna say that it was like totally my little miss sunshine moment it was like <laughs> definitely probably more sexual than it should have been for like a 10 year old <laughs> I mean if you listen to the song like how I even understood what the song was about but it was uh yeah I think it was like important because like to pick it because I think I've always just been a bit too much and a bit like always making a show of myself and always showing off and you know as I've become older when you're younger you don't mind and then when you become a teenager it's something that you're told to stop being Um, and I always have tried to resist that and actually you know coming back into it now it's I feel like it's something to be proud of Um, but that was definitely the start of something that song and that that performance i wish someone had a video of it honestly but i don't think anyone does i think we all wish that yeah um, <laughs> so poetry has played a, a very important part in your life and um that's how we got to know you um was through your your poetry performance um you have got a, a really specific style when you're you're on stage and and so on and and the the kind of issues that you you write about as well are they're very close to the bone um but they're they're real um when did you when did you write your first poem so I was um in third year uni I went to drama school obviously uh, and I don't know if that is obvious actually but it feels feels like that was the kind of natural progression when you weren't really good at school but decided you wanted to do something it was always like that was the only thing I loved doing and the only thing I was ever really good at um and yeah so I was going through a lot of kind of questioning and a bit of hard time with family stuff so that's how the writing started and also I had a broken heart which is always a good way to start writing poems um and it just kind of like poured out of me it was something that I needed to do um and at that point I was making a graduation show so I put it in um, my final degree show and then somebody asked me to come do it Sam Small came and asked me to do it in deep and 
um, I was like, oh, it's not poetry though. It's not poetry. Like, I, I can't write. I'm not good. It's not poems. I don't know what they are. Um, and I did it, and it, it was like, oh, this is this is a good feeling. I want to keep doing this. Um, and I've kind of fallen in and out of love with it. You know, sometimes. I think with all art forms you sometimes feel like you're terrible and sometimes you feel like you get a new lease of life um but yeah it's it's been it's been like seven years of writing now and how do you uh, do you ever kind of tend to compare yourself to other people and and just consistently do you do you feel that you've kind of become more self-critical as the years have gone on yeah, I think my friend Iona, Iona Lee, she's a poet as well, she said something really interesting. She was like, the better you get at poetry, the harder it is to write it because you start to understand, you know, the craft of it and how difficult it is. And like all my poems that I wrote when I, you know, I first started writing, they make me cringe so much now. Um, and I like look back and, I, you know, they're all online and I just, it just like drives me mad. But um you know it's good to like still be okay with like how you were in the past but always trying to like better yourself um and I think I was really lucky to be always offered lots of really good opportunities that allowed me to be like going through professional development all of the time um and reading loads of poetry has totally shifted my mind but it has become harder I'm much more cautious about sharing things now um and it's very different it's a very different process from what it once was um you have um so back to the songs that okay. you've picked and it's quite a mixed bag I, I mean none say. of them are I needed to pick like let oh well I feel like they're a basic bitch like decision like I feel like they're all just very like middle of the road but I wanted to make sure that I was like genuinely soundtracking my life rather than doing something that was cool because I think I've never been good at being cool especially when it comes to music and you know I'd say that one of the bands that are not on on it that are actually one of my favorite is ABBA like I'm a like huge ABBA fan every year me and my friend go to ABBA tributes we've gone to like the South Bank Centre ABBA kind of like museum where Jarvis Cocker was like introducing it like I have like a major ABBA fan I don't know how they've not made on to it but they you know I I always put my the, I, I struggle not to tell the truth I think and I think that that in a way is really good but also in a way it's terrible so yes the next song is potentially well they're all just a mixed bag <laughs> yeah and it's Jamie T yeah if you got the money um uh, yeah why <laughs> so <laughs> I when I was like so this is kind of came out when I started going to like festivals and I was like running around with all my mates like just started drinking it feels like anything is possible and it was just like one of those songs that soundtracked that time um but Jamie T for me like I don't know I like he I feel like I've kind of grown up with him because all his other albums are like a little bit darker talks a lot about like addictions and partying and lots of stuff and I feel like like him I feel I feel like I've grown up with him so this was the kind of music from my teenage years and like bands like the Arctic Monkeys were really important at that time as well and it just made you feel like you just wanted to cause a riot wherever you went you're just like oh fuck it like let's just like get on it um but I also think Jamie T's quite interesting in how he like rhymes because he doesn't necessarily go like in a very straight narrative he like 
bounces around and he uses whatever he can um, so he'll use like pieces of dialogue like Sheila's got like loads of dialogue in it and stuff and actually when I'm writing poems I do something quite similar and change the pace like a lot of, of the time I spend late nights trying to pick up love off the floor where the other brothers leave it be. I was stuck hard down, it's like chewing gum. While going on the floor, I sing my RIP. Cause the songbirds don't do singing on pavements. No sweet melody, the sound of spit. Spat orbit, spoke a lost hope. So do what you told, man. Choke on it. We be near heaven now, quarter to eleven by three. We are thinking of the love we lost. I, I kind of feel like. That was why I picked this song because I feel like it was like most kind of like how I write. Um, but I went to see him at the Battlelands maybe in like 2000 and when I, when I was a bit older, like 2014, 15. And it was just such a good gig. It was just like, I don't know, just so nostalgic. Yeah, so I was going to say the nostalgia. Yeah. And so your teenage years, so you've you've referenced to kind of a lot of the, the craziness there. Yeah. What, what were your teenage years like? I mean, so... I grew up in uh, Jordan Hill, which is like a really kind of middle class constituent area. Like it's um, it's not private school, but it, you have to live in the area to go there. Um, and we would just would bevy all the time, like every weekend, like staying out all night. And then I started going to festivals and it was just like this whole world opened up in front of me. And like, I just loved it I just like the idea of meeting all these people and listening to all these bands and I just like got so into like indie music and just I don't know I just loved the whole the whole thing and then that's when I started to like go out with people from other schools and you know going into like central station and I went through all the phases as well like I was an emo for a while and then I was like going to cube which was like this like unders on uh, queen street and so I did a bit of like r&b for a while I was just like I just like loved where the party was at so I would just go wherever that was um but yeah I have really fond memories of being a teenager and it like also like that time was so funny and cringe now because it was when skins were coming out so so many of us were like influenced by skins and like if you look back on the pictures of skins now like you literally like look at their outfits and you're like these used to be the coolest people on the planet (laughs) like what happened like it's so funny how dated everything feels even though it literally was just like not that long ago um and I'm still friends with those people I went to school with and friends of always been really important to me even though we all have really different lives now um but yeah that's what it kind of reminds me of did it did the constant kind of partying did it ever take its toll yeah I think when I was a teenager no but like when I was about um well I think after turning about 19 it started to get a little bit out of control um and it was a different sort of fun it wasn't this kind of naive um, being super excited about the world it was more of a like oh let's like go listen to techno and house in a really dark room and then stay up for three days yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah the um so going back to um the poetry you kind of one of the things that really put you on the map was the um when you were talking about abortion um you got quite a lot of 
you got a lot of positive praise, but in equal measure, mm. you got quite a lot of negative. Yeah. Um, uh, like it was a bit of, a, I don't know if it's fair to say backlash, but. Um, it was pretty, yeah, it was. It, it was it, pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how, what was it like, first of all, being in that? Um, and then what does it feel like looking back on it? Yeah. So. It actually brings us on really well to the next song as well. That's good. It felt like something I was really keen to do. But looking back, I wonder if I was totally sure that I knew what I was getting myself in for. And I think something that I've definitely had to learn through poetry is you know within my within my work is to really start questioning what the cost is um and not to exploit your own experience because I think I've often fallen into the trap of just wanting to say it all and actually not thinking about how much damage that could do to me or my family or you know what that's going to look like and I think she was a she really did that but it is still the poem that I get messages about from all over the world all the time from girls telling me that it's been really helpful for them and that has outlived the backlash which I think is really important to remember um I don't really do the poem anymore because I feel like my opinions have slightly shifted or not my opinions like I still definitely feel like everyone should have access free access to abortions but I definitely think like it was simplistic in the way that it not simplistic but I think you when you write something the really interesting thing about writing is that when you write something it becomes permanent when you're never permanent so even though three months later you might have written a completely different poem that is the poem that it is so in lots of ways I'm just a different person now but I still like to honour that it was really important for lots of people and very important for me. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and so, Bonavere. Yeah. Why does it? Why does it bring you so well onto this song? So, Bonavere were a band that I would just really liked. Like that when that first album came out, it was definitely just I loved it. Um, but I went to see them the day after I had an abortion and then my dad died the next day so I had this like full-on weekend and I was so heartbroken as well I was like I think the heartbreak was like cherry on the top and then my dog died as well that was also what happened that week um so I just it was just like a whole lot of things at once and the song I think something quite interesting about his lyrics is that they're never explicit. They never are very clear about what he's talking about. But for some reason, that means that they can fit into loads of different situations. Then the snow started falling. We were stuck out in your car. You were rubbing both my hands. Chewing. Started 
So with Blood Bank, you know, I'm not actually sure what the song's about, but there's something about the swell of it that just makes me feel lots of different emotions. It makes me feel comforted and also very upset at the same time. And, you know, there's a lyric in it that's like, isn't this just like the present to be showing up like this? And I think that that's just so beautiful, this idea of like, you know, we just have to take what happens when we're faced with it. And yeah, this song, it's so funny, this song, you know, when it comes on shuffle, it'll come on shuffle when I need it to come on shuffle. It's like such a strange, it just like comes back to me all the time. Um, And sometimes I don't want to face it and then other times I do. But I have the vinyl on, I mean, I've never had a vinyl player, but I have the vinyl on uh, my wall and I got it. I got it like that that weekend. Was there any other songs that you kind of saw solace in around that time that you perhaps haven't linked to? Uh, no, but there are songs from that time that give me the total fear. Like I can't listen to it. There's right. a song called Gabriel. Um, I don't know who it's by actually. It's it's like a remix. Um, and there's another song called by Jeremy Joshua called Thinking About Your body or something but oh and also any of subtract like I can't listen to because because what happened after that weekend is that I was going out all the time and I was listening to these songs all the time and now when I hear them they give me the fear like if I'm if the radio it's on the radio I have to turn it off like it just gives me the fear um just because it was it was on repeat (laughs) they were all on repeat um but I, I don't know about finding solace I mean, I think the song that will come on next might help with that, but I definitely started listening to, kind of a few years later, I started listening to a lot of disco and a lot of really upbeat kind of fun tunes and the next one is like one of those ones. Uh, before we get on to that, I, w- I yeah. want to talk about more about what you've, you've got quite the CV. I mean, you're... <laughs> You're like Forrest Gump. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say um, the hustle. Yeah, it is the life of a, a freelance creative. Um so where where are you where have you been over the last few years? Okay. What have you been doing? So I graduated in 2013 and then I worked in Soba for a year, which was some of the best times of my life. And then I decided I was going to move to Japan. So I did two winters in Japan teaching skiing. And then I did a winter in New Zealand teaching skiing. And then I came home and I was like, right, let's make a go at this poetry stuff. Um, And I started, that was like 2016, I came home. And it's just been like nonstop working since then, facilitating, teaching, writing, making shows, fringes. It's been great. What's been, um, like, I'm going to put you on the spot, what's been one moment over the last, out of all of those things that you've yeah. done, that you've kind of just stood and said, I am so happy doing this? Yeah. Oh. I think the time that sticks out for me, now let me just try and get my timings right. I think it was, it was the first time I did Oh, was it Bella Drum or Wicker Man? I think it was Wicker Man in 2014. And I got booked to do like a long poetry set. So it was like 40 minutes or something. And I just loved it. I came off stage and I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, love this. This is really cool. Um, 
a, a, a really that moment really sticks out but there has been so many amazing moments like I've performed at the Royal Albert Hall the Roundhouse uh, the Fringe Summer Hall um, I've done the Prague Fringe I've done it's been you know I'm so lucky to be able to do what I do and I don't take it for granted because I know that I have had you know I've had a good support system I've had you know I've come from a middle class family and even though I've had you know my fair amount of trauma and all this stuff I always had a safety net and I think that if I hadn't had that safety net I wouldn't have been where I am now and I definitely wouldn't have been able to make work and I see it a lot with my contemporaries that like they want to make work but they just can't get in a place because of you know money and situations so I don't take it for granted and I one of the things that I always always try to do is I always try and like lift people up as well and I don't mean that in a like creating them (laughs) do you know what I mean I mean that more that like you know there's plenty of room so like it's actually fine for me just to shuffle over <laughs> and I think that that's always been something that allows me to do it because then I don't feel like I'm not allowed to because I'm definitely trying to help, not help because it's my job as well like teaching um I just like I just think everyone should have a creative output and everyone and I'm just so lucky I get to do it as a job the um oh one of the things that you probably identify with as well in terms of arts and stuff is that you are it's kind of your multi-skills and you're doing so many things and um I mean how do you keep disciplined within that Mm. within your time and yourself and and how do you keep yourself motivated so I go through phases like I had quite a tough year last year the fringe really took it out of me um and it was very quiet and when it's quiet you think you'll never work again (laughs) so you go into this kind of this place of like you know it's very easily to slip into depression um but I I, it helps for me to stay busy um I live by myself out by the sea so um that helps as well um definitely you know limiting your drinking (laughs) helps and partying and you know that these are all things that I have you know had to learn and also working on poems to give them really a lot of space to give all your creative stuff lots of space like there's poems that I'm bringing out now that you know were written three or four years ago that I couldn't have performed three or four years ago um and also just like always checking and I also go to therapy I think therapy is really important um and yeah that's that's how I try and do it I'm not very good at it I I fail all the time you know I'll be having dinner at 10 o'clock and then be up until one and then last week I was last week I went to go see Parasite even though I had 25 poems to edit and then had to be up at half five to work in Edinburgh the next day with in three different schools so I slept in my car but was it worth it uh that's like for a different podcast I liked it but I think the hype ruins films sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm like, I love films. I've been writing films for the last couple of years as well, like professional development. Nothing's been made yet. Um, but yeah, like I, for me, I just felt like I was promised one thing by the trailer and I was shown another thing. Right. But I, that that's being said, it's a wonderful film and it's very well made. Um. So 
talking about uplifting mm. Curtis Mayfield, mm. um, move on up. I mean, this is obviously I, I, I kind of often um staggered when people say that they haven't heard this song before. Yeah. And I just look at them as if they're Who's ever said ele- that? They've had one or two. What? Yeah. They're they've usually been a bit Have younger. You not seen- Bendelite Beckham. <laughs> no. Well, oh yeah, I forget about that actually. Yeah. What film that was? I mean, the worst part of that film, like I watched that. I've watched this film quite recently, but the worst part is when you know somebody's like been terribly racist to her on the yeah. football field, and then she goes like, "You'll never understand." And he goes, "Of course I'll understand. I'm Irish." And you're like, "Not the same thing." Exactly. Not the same thing. Very dated. <laughs> um, but apart from that, it is a pretty class film it is kira knightley in a a role that yeah yeah that actually quite suited her it did <laughs> yeah it did um yeah so what why this song so there's so many reasons for this song i think first and foremost i think it's my favorite song i love i love this song um, i think it should be everyone's alarm when they wake up in the morning i think <laughs> the world would be a happier place um but i went to this like amazing theatre show with my mum in New York and it was 24 hours long it was by an artist called Taylor Mac and what he did is like every hour of the 24 hours was a different decade of music um so he started right back from when America was first discovered by the English and he went from that point but before that he had this amazing like Native American ceremony so he just he wanted to explore all the music and while he was doing it everything would have a different theme and or different like acts and he had burlesque dancers with them and it was 24 hours long we got a bursary to go because we were desperate to go and um we you know you get your dinner and everything there and there's like hundreds of people and it's in a big warehouse and um it was just incredible but at six in the morning we're all just like knackered we'd been up you know for however long I think it started at I think it started at like four in the afternoon. Um, I can't really remember, but we just had breakfast and everyone was just like tired and we just done the 50s and the war and all that. And then the 60s happened and he got like a 150 piece brass brand from Brooklyn kids to come in and play Move On Up. everyone was on their chairs dancing and it was just like it was just the most and all these kids had no idea what they were doing because they'd obviously just been invited in but it was just incredible and it was a really special thing to share with my mum and also it's just such a fun song and you know over since working in Soba and I had an ex-boyfriend who only played disco music so I've always just been into like Sister Sledge, Chic, um, Niall Rogers and just like just like upbeat music I think it's just that you can dance all night to that's that's what this song is to me. So you talk about sharing a special moment with your mum did what uh, what music is has she brought any music into your life that you kind of still listen to? Yeah so she um she loves music and when we were 
it was just me and her growing up so we had quite a tense relationship but um you know we could agree on a few albums and we used to go to Ireland all the time when we were growing up so there would be we'd be on long drives um and we had Shania Twain we had Dolly Parton we had uh, Eva Cassidy would like Eva Cassidy we had the soundtrack to Brother We're Out Though so random but love all the tracks on that uh, Abba Gold loved that and Nora Jones those were the ones that we could agree on <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously your dad's passed yeah. but what were some of the have you got any fond memories about the music that he listened to so dad wasn't really into music he was into like buying cds that had all types so he would have like you know the best motown cds and it would just have like everyone on it he used to sing this song which was by the light of the silvery moon i don't know if you know it yeah. it's like yeah he used to sing like because he was a bit older so he was like 63 when he died so he was born in 48 so he liked quite like old school music um but you know there was nothing I, I didn't ever feel like we bonded over music music wasn't his real real thing but um we played uh, Fleetwood Mac landslide at his funeral and right. also um to all the girls I've loved before by Willie Willie Nelson because he loved a lot of women <laughs> <laughs> we played that as kind of a little joke there was a lot of exes at the funeral so we had to wow nod to it anyway yeah um so Amy Winehouse, um, obviously uh, a phenomenal performer, yeah. quite a sad uh, tale, but uh, the legacy that, that she's left is just unbelievable. Um, so you'd changed your mind with the songs yeah. with Amy. Um, is, was there just too many that there you was, were... There was too many. And also I was I, I kept on being like, why am I picking her? Like I couldn't quite figure it out um, because it's not like her music has been part of my life I've listened to it for a long time but I think more than anything I just think as an artist like I have so much respect for her um and I I, I see similarities in the way that we approach how we write um and there's struggles that we've had similar I feel like Amy was all about love like she was all about just like where she can get the next bit of love from and I feel like that is something that I've kind of you know struggled with always trying to find you know acceptance through others eyes um but she also just had this like beautiful knack for writing like these songs that just had to be the truth she 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 could never not tell this truth and I think that that's something really amazing and obviously something that got her into a lot of trouble as well but I was in Camden when she died i I was living in London working at Fabric the nightclub for a summer uh, and we were in we were in Camden when she died and we went up to the vigil and we were pissed obviously and I ended up getting in the sun people were taking photos of us because we were I mean it was a riot but <laughs> it was like it was like she's just like I don't know it was just so sad when she died um, and I think that she writes heartbreak in such a beautiful way and is that what this song represents for you? Well, see, I always liked Frank a lot, the album. Um, and that was an album that I was listening to as a teenager. Um, and I know that it was one of the albums that she hated. She couldn't even listen to it anymore. Um, 
and that's kind of how I feel sometimes about things that I've written um but um yeah I kept going back and forward and the, what I love about um back to black is that is something I love when pop music is about good pop music is about sad things but make them uplifting that make us happy that we feel all these things and we feel all these emotions like uh, Robin dancing on your own like that is one of like the the prime examples of that I and mean, when all these people do their covers and they just make them really sad like they're missing the point yeah um and for me like back to black did that really well I think that like all the songs are so heartbreaking because you can listen to them a cappella and you can hear how how like hard like hard she was finding it but then Mark Ronson's managed to do this thing where he's managed to make it uplifting and then everyone is listening to them But I think something about Frank, I think something about the way that she writes these relationships that um, just speak to me. And that and that's why I've... Um, then what is the line? It's like, then you brought me downstairs with a Marlboro Red. I just think that that's... I don't know. I just love that line. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. You've got... Um, so you've been doing this show um, for the last... Is it fair to say a year? Yes, yeah, so I start. I did my first show in March last year, but I was developing it in January. So yeah. So tell us about that show. So Daddy Drag has been my most recent show, and it's a drag show. It's got no poetry in it, um, but it's me as a drag act as my dad, and my mum narrates the show, um, talking about her relationship to dad, and it kind of becomes this kind of grotesque celebration and also funeral for for dad and um it's on at the tron in a few weeks um it'll be next week it's on from the 24th to the 29th um and yeah it did really well at the fringe it won the autopsy award which was cool which from summer hall um, which celebrates solo female artists making groundbreaking work so apparently it's that so yeah, you should definitely come. There's lots of tenants, lots of dancing, lots of like burping and farting and lots of funny, funny times. How did your mum react to it? So me and mum went on a bit of a journey with it. Originally she didn't want it to be made. And then, then she, I interviewed her about all the subjects and she did that willingly. And then she had to come into the rehearsal rooms and say what she was happy going in and what, what wasn't. Um, but she has been really supportive and a lot of people wouldn't and it was very it happened it happened quite naturally but I think it was quite a big deal for all of us have other members of your family seen it and and have they how have they reacted no no one else has actually seen it not many people that knew dad have seen it um but it gets to a point where this is when it gets really complicated when you're making work that is personal because there has to be a point where it becomes the cra- about the craft. Yeah. So I think a lot of people that would come see it would be like, oh, maybe 
that's not what I would do. Like mum was like, he wouldn't be wearing Y fronts and a vest he'd be wearing pajamas and you know that's when you you start to be like okay well maybe it's not dad maybe it's me if I was a dad or there's all these like blurred lines where you're not sure but I think however it's read you'll get something from it but I think the people that knew dad find it the most difficult because they they see the gaps in it but there's only so much you can do in an hour show I think we need to make a bloody opera if we wanted to tell the, the whole story um but that's been like also a lesson about how to um, decide what to put into things to make audiences you know be able to go on the journey with you do, do you feel like it's been uh, cathartic and do you feel that it's kind of almost kind of contributed to um a sh- like a, a change in the relationship with your mum at all mm, I feel like I feel like it doesn't feel cathartic I think it feels hard, harder than anything. But that's the cost, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel like, it, it makes me feel like I need more therapy. It doesn't make me feel like it is therapy. And I think, um, I think sometimes women sometimes get set, their stuff gets called, is like referred to as like therapy or confessional and all these kind of things when a man wouldn't necessarily because it's, it's deep rooted in shame that you shouldn't be telling these things. Um, so I, I actually don't know the answer. I feel like I just get a calling to make something and the title always comes first. Like if the title is there, I feel like I have to make a show about it. And Daddy Drag, the title came before anything else. And I went on this exploration and, you know, it's not a perfect show. And um, my relationship to my mum, you know, probably suffered a bit from it as well. And, um and maybe it got better in different ways it's it's quite hard to tell and maybe maybe I can't really speak about it just now because I probably feel like I'm still quite in it in it yeah and actually I, I might need a few a few months to think about it but I definitely know that doing it for the fringe I was not in a good way afterwards I felt I felt like I was reliving trauma every night um and I think going forward I need to find a way of how do you expose the truth or how do you offer the truth while still protecting yourself and Brenny Brown I don't know if you know Brenny Brown she's like this amazing she's she's actually a data collector um but she 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 collects data about shame she's amazing but she talks about these vulnerability hangovers she talks about like you the next day when you've been really vulnerable how you can have this this feeling like it's a hangover like you're like oh my god I can't believe I've said that and you know this like you get the fear about being vulnerable and I feel like daddy drag was that for me and I and every time I share some I mean I just recorded a live album and I did it in front of like a I I did it at the hug and pint and there was like loads of people there and the next day like I hadn't been drinking but I felt like like I'd it was like I'd felt like I'd been sinful (laughs) like it's this feeling where you're like you feel like super exposed and I think that daddy drag hasn't felt like it's cathartic Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting I think I think it's really fascinating what you're saying about um getting to a point and and separating the personal aspect Mm -hmm. from the craft and I think that that is, I, I, I assume that a lot of people can relate to that that are in are doing performance yeah. and so on. Um, you, 
have you said that there's some music that's part of yeah. the uh, Daddy Drag as well. So what are some of the songs? So um, you've got Papa Loves Mambo uh, by Perry Co- Cosmo, Cosmo. Yeah. and he um, he was he was apparently uh, act that dad really liked i mean i didn't know this but mum said that was one of her influences that came through uh then we've got um, my girl by the temptations which is actually came from father of the brides like i'd never seen that film with steve martin but i did that like when i was developing it, i did this whole thing being like oh we should all be dads like steve martin um and that's where that song came from and it's also part of like a wedding speech as well so it's very like there's lots of different phases within the show like we go fishing we have a barbecue we go to a wedding um dad areas um and also to end we have bob dylan don't think twice it's all right and i think that that song is just about letting go actually Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right Something, I mean, if you've seen the show, you know why that's at the end. But um, it was kind of this understanding that you could never fit a person in a show. Mm -hmm. And actually, how you just have to let go of, you know, your expectations of that person or your memories of that person and or or any sort of grudgment you hold towards them um and i think also still game then ended their season with that song yeah i was raging (laughs) i was like what are the chances like what are the actual chances (laughs) but i think that um i think that songs come in and out of fashion so that's what i'm giving it to but i'm hoping that no one puts i can't believe i've just said this on the podcast because everyone's gonna notice now (laughs) I don't know. I think I think it depends on the context of yeah. what you're doing as well. <laughs> um, th- these go so quick. Um, you, uh, we're coming up to your final yeah. pick, um, and someone that I don't know. Which oh, really? I love. Oh, I fab. love when I don't know um, people and songs. Yeah. Uh, on these picks, so Rura. Yeah. Um, and the the low ground. Yeah. So educate me. Okay. So. Rura are like a traditional Scottish um, band. So Adam Holmes used to sing with them, but now they just kind of do their own. Is that Adam Holmes thing. from Adam Holmes and the Embers? Yeah, like the yeah the, the Scottish Adam yeah. Holmes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they are like traditional Scottish music, and um, like my family are like super Irish. My dad was Irish. My mum now spends half her time in a house in Donegal she lives there now um and my mum and her friends who were my friend's parents were in this like traditional Irish band mum plays the penny whistle I mean they were they were terrible they only like knew five songs (laughs) some of them were like actually amazing musicians but they 
they used to take us to this um, festival every year in County Clare called the Willie Clancy Week. And Irish people call it the Willie Week, which is really funny. <laughs> but it's like this festival where all the pubs are open really late and like all the best musicians, folk and traditional music um, musicians from all over the world come and they just jam together and there's lessons all day and we used to just hate the traditional music. We just used to be like, shut up, like slamming doors, like hate it. But there's something about the last couple of years that I've started to like fall in love with it and, but also have my own, my own taste in it. And I think Rura, because they're still, they're like a fresh band, they're like, recent that there's some someone that i really love and um they remind me of um my partner who i've been with for a while now One of our very first dates, we went to Celtic Connections and we went to the festival club afterwards and Rura were playing and it was just like the best fun. Um, but this song, this song reminds me of Donegal, where my mum is, where my family are from and just those long car journeys and it just makes me feel all the emotions. You, um, yeah, we're, we're coming up to the end. Yeah. Um, what... What are your kind of your hopes for the next few years? What what do you want to do? What do you if you've got any pipe dreams? I mean, what yeah. are they? So I'm f- just finishing a collection of books. Well, not books of a book um, that I'm sure will be published quite soon. I mean, it's taken me so long to write it, which is so funny because you always are really worried about it and then when it's meant to happen it just feels so easy and it's all just come together and all the poems that I thought were rubbish for years have all you know found their kind of home in it and um, so that's going to be happening I think I want to keep developing writing films I'm really enjoying that Um, and yeah I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how to how to be an artist and also be happy I think it's really hard and like how you can you know you don't have to be upset all the time to make good work and how that works and you know I'd really like to get a dog in the next few years you're the second person that's told me that this week (laughs) I'd like to go traveling more um I'd like to study again um there's lots of things I'd like to do but um yeah and that's it (laughs) So remind loads us. Of things. That I don't is know why loads. Um, so remind us when your your show is. It's the twenty sixth of February to the twenty ninth of February at the Tron. It's at eight o'clock. Um, so yeah, come along. It should be good. And we will put the links into 
on our website Fab. as well. I've also got this album, this live album that will be coming out at some point as well. So before, like, yeah. I just wanted to, to talk about that. When, yeah. uh, so what, what is this live album? Okay, so I, so it's called Archive Live, and the idea of it behind it is that I wanted to, um. I feel like all my videos are quite old now and you know I've been writing so much but not really had the opportunity to do like a full long set and like when you're just doing poets always get booked for like short sets they get like 20 minutes 30 minutes so you just do your greatest hits really because you're usually doing it in front of well music fans or in schools or wherever you're doing it and actually you don't get time to really delve into like the quieter stuff or the or the stuff that just doesn't fit and like when you're just doing a random set and you have to convince people to be engaged whereas this like was people were invited to know that I was going to do like an hour-long set and I was going to do old poems and new poems and the whole idea of archiving like how do we archive our work how do we um how do we honor what we've done in the past but still look towards the future and I think as a poet it's quite hard to do that um and I could have done it in a recording studio but I want you know I don't that's not what I do I don't record in a I don't speak in a recording studio I wanted to do it in a live audience you had the mistakes you had the laughter you had the coughing you know you had the like me saying stupid things in between um so that's what I've done and I invited like loads of really good poet pals to come and perform alongside me and um, so it was a really special night and um, we sold out like really fast and it was just like a moment of being it was like a, a checking in moment of being like oh I'm doing the right thing this yeah. is I'm you know this is actually a career moment to take note of all that I've made and like how many people are interested and all that kind of thing so that's what it was about and also um, a way of people accessing more of my newer stuff so I'll be putting it on Spotify and so people can access it so have you got a plan of when you're going to release that so we have all the tracks I just need to figure out I just need like a, a spare minute like I was just saying to you I've not had a day off yeah but um yeah it'll, it won't be long it'll probably be before Easter anyway thank you so much no worries thanks for it's having me it's been great chatting and it's um it's really uh refreshing for me to have songs that um aren't cool well i, I hate <laughs> that word cool now I, th- I don't i think it's irrelevant but songs that um i, I like it when people are true about what has that they've, they've yeah. grown up with as opposed to trying to impress the yeah. audience so um, i can't like i don't even know like uh, there is like there's obviously some music now that'd be like yeah like i'm listening to like a bit of no name kendrick lamar like yeah i could drop those names i just did don't know if you know it yeah <laughs> but uh i don't think that that would i think people could see through that like i'm shania through and through yeah <laughs> no one will take that away from you thank you so thank much thank you so much and i wish you all the best going yeah. forward see you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 